0: Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace. Our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country. And no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram at My Peace Corps Story, on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story, and as always, over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com. If you have been listening to the show, enjoying the show, and happen to do so on Apple Podcast, how about you uh, leave a review for the show? Five-star reviews are extremely appreciated, but more than anything, I want to know what you think so I can better serve my audience. Those reviews help people know that uh, this show is a show worth listening to. It helps it rank a little bit higher in the search rankings. So when someone is searching for something like Peace Corps or international travel or experiences, this show comes up. So if you think that this show is worth listening to, maybe let everyone else know. On this episode of the podcast, I talk to David Hernandez, who was a Peace Corps volunteer in Ecuador from 2013 to 2015, working as an environmental education slash business volunteer. We talk about his service in Ecuador, but more importantly, the connections that he made with his community and his host family, which almost became a, a second family to them. So he talks a lot about his experience with living with another family and the bonds that he created during his service. I think you guys will really enjoy this episode. So without further ado, here is the My Peace Corps Story podcast. This is This is This is This is, this is my, my My Peace Corps Peace Corps My Peace Corps My Peace Corps story. Story. Story.
1: My name is David Hernandez and this is my Peace Corps story.
0: Hey David, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. How are you, Tyler?
0: Doing well, and excited to talk to you about your Peace Corps service in Ecuador. I have talked to volunteers who I think served in every single country around that region, but uh, surprisingly enough, after two years, uh, you are the first Ecuador volunteer, so I'm excited to hear about service in Ecuador.
1: Well, I'm excited to share about my service. Uh, Ecuador is a beautiful country and uh, has great people, so I'm excited to share that with you.
0: Okay. We'll start off by letting everybody know a little bit about yourself and what was your reason for joining the Peace Corps when you did?
1: Okay, so um, I was born in Evanston, Illinois. Uh, I don't really remember much about it because I was born there and then my family moved uh, quickly to South Texas. And so uh I, I would say my hometown is Harlingen and uh, that's in the lower valley of Texas. I grew up there and um then moved to Austin for uh for college. Graduated at St. Edward's University and it was actually there that I took a leadership class called uh servant leadership and it, through this class I had this great professor and it's uh Dr. Pauline Albert. And she taught us uh, servant leadership and what it meant to uh, lead by serving others. And I remember hearing about Peace Corps. I remember hearing about uh, the the toughest job that you'll ever love. And those two common themes between servant leadership and the Peace Corps, I felt just it was at the right time, the right moment. And I decided I need to do this at some point. And uh, I was already at the point of graduating. It was my senior year, and I decided that it was uh, it, it was sort of meant to be taking that class and uh, making that connection. So that's really what drove me to uh, applying to the Peace Corps.
0: Okay. And when you applied, did you want to serve in Ecuador or a Spanish-speaking country? I, I take it from your last name uh, that you are of Hispanic heritage.
1: Yeah, so uh, I am Mexican-American. Um, my parents are from Mexico, and I was born here in the States. Uh, I feel like it was it's a very important part of, of my life. I love my culture, and I love my background, and... I felt like it would have been a great opportunity to speak uh, Spanish in a different country and see what the differences were. But my initial uh, thought on applying was just to send me wherever. And it was a roller coaster because I remember getting the first call from uh, from the recruiter saying, hey, how would you be interested in learning French and going to, uh, going to Africa? And I said, well, uh, I said, I you know, I, I speak Spanish, so I feel like the Romance languages, uh, it wouldn't be maybe incredibly difficult to pick up French. Uh, so I started to prepare myself mentally for that. And I remember initially they gave me a, um, a French speaking country, a region in Africa uh, as a as a um, kind of like a placeholder. And then as time went on, uh, when I actually got placed, I was. I saw, uh, you know, congratulations, you know, you've been accepted to the Peace Corps and you'll be going to Ecuador. And I was like completely <laughs> thrown off and uh, just excited at the same time because I thought, well, you know, uh, I didn't really do much with the French, but uh, but the Spanish had, had been a, a big part of my life uh, growing up. So, uh, so it all worked out in the end. So I was, I was happy.
0: Mm hmm. And what exactly were you doing as a volunteer in Ecuador? What sector were you assigned to?
1: I was assigned to the environmental education and small business development uh, sector. And so it was a, a bit of a a hybrid. And so what we did uh, for the most part was work in small schools around the community. And then also we had the opportunity to venture out and uh, interview small business owners and, you know, figure out what their business plans were or what they were trying to do to be uh, green as possible. So uh, that was the sector that that I was assigned to.
0: Okay. And what kind of projects did that entail? What were some of the things that you were doing day to day and trying to get off the ground?
1: Well, I'll tell you that um, really, so you have a set uh, sector right but I I, I want to say that this is probably across the board the same thing for every Peace Corps uh, site is that uh, they want to learn English so <laughs> whatever project you're given uh, whatever sector you're given uh, you're likely going to be involved in some kind of English program or you know uh, be asked to uh, teach an English class. Or have something of that um, be incorporated into your everyday uh, service. And so um, I tried to incorporate some of that, but I tried to stay on focus on what my primary goal was because that's what my uh, program director uh, expected of me. And I think that that's ultimately what my counterpart uh, would have hoped for. I mean, I know that they liked the English classes and they liked that experience, but I I tried to stay on focus as much as I possibly could. So a lot of recycled art projects, a lot of uh, what they call charlas, which are uh, basically talks that you give at uh, at schools and you uh, teach about environmental education and awareness, about uh, the water footprint that you're leaving behind and 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 just trying to engage with the students and make it fun and a learning experience. But I'll tell you, it it, it was tough going into those schools. It was very intimidating because a lot of the kids, um, uh, you know, it's just, you're in there, you're in their realm, you're in their world and it's a very vulnerable place to be in. But, you know, you just kind of have to approach everything with, uh, with a good sense of humor. And I had a good group of people, uh, good, uh, Aspiring PCVs with me, so we all went through it together, and and and, and it was fun. But mostly, the, those were the projects that that we worked on. hmm.
0: And being of uh, Hispanic heritage and and knowing Spanish, coming into Peace Corps service. Do you feel that that definitely gave you a big leg up or that you were almost sort of looked upon that you should uh, be functioning at a higher level than the other volunteers that maybe didn't have Spanish as as good as you did or didn't come from that background? So do you think it was a a big help or almost put you uh, at a higher expectation?
1: It's funny because I thought my Spanish was was pretty good. I I thought it was pretty fluent before – uh, leaving for service, you know, growing up, you know, listening to Selena, you know, all, you know all the all the influence that we had, and all the um, the uh, cultural background, and speaking with my grandparents in Spanish, and so I felt like I had a pretty good uh, advantage. But actually getting into the country and having to speak it a hundred percent of the time, or at least almost a hundred percent of the time, was was a bit challenging. There were topics that I never you know, dreamed of uh, t- talking about here in the States uh, that I had to speak about over there. So it was learning new vocabulary, more technical terms than anything, and uh, and just really getting on a deeper level. So I feel like there was some expectation from me to, to have that level of uh, Spanish, but I also felt like, it was almost uh, a little disappointing, I guess, for some uh, host uh, nationals, because I think when you think of Peace Corps, you know, they're thinking, oh, we're going to get, you know, some American. And I guess maybe the vision of an American is somebody who's, you know, blonde, blue eyes and doesn't speak any you know other language. And, you know, here I come from a Mexican-American background and speak Spanish already. And so it was almost like, oh, okay, well, there's not really anything to do with this um, with this volunteer. But uh, but I think it it also helped build those relationships right off uh, right off the ground. And I definitely would not have probably made the uh, close relationships that I did without that level. So I'm, I'm grateful for that.
0: Mm hmm and where were you serving as a volunteer what did your community look like were you in one of the amazon rainforest areas high in the the mountains uh, large village small village
1: yeah i was uh i was in the mountains and the Really awesome thing about Ecuador is that there's the three uh, regions that that they have it's the coast, it's the mountains, and it's the jungle and I remember thinking to myself, man, I would love to have my service be out in the jungle because that would just i mean i I love everything about that environment, and so my hope was secretly that or the coast, but I got neither one of those, and I ended <laughs> up going to the mountains and it actually worked out because you know, the host families that I had, uh, everything was just, was, was just worth it. It was just perfect. So everything works out, I guess the way it's supposed to in the end, but, um, but my town, uh, my community was relatively small, but it was within an hour of the capital of Quito. So, uh, the community that I served in was, uh, Amaguana, and it's, it's about an hour away from the capital on bus. So, um, while, it was still primarily uh, there was uh, uh, um, terrain and there was uh, crop growing and corn and things like that. Farm farm life, you know, an hour away. There was the big city. So.
0: Hmm. And was this primarily an agricultural community?
1: Yes. Yes. I would. I would say so for sure. And, and you know, there was always markets. Uh, every Sunday to you know sell the produce of the week and you know everything was fresh and grown there uh, on the on the land that they had there, so I definitely say that uh, that that agriculture was was huge in the community,
0: okay and you said that you were living with a family you had a host family. Uh, what was that experience
1: like? living with a host family yeah that was that was a, a an incredible experience um it's unlike anything else really living with somebody else other than your family that you've lived with your entire life. And so um, the amount of warmth and the way that they welcome you into their family is, is something very special. And I, I still feel very lucky that wherever I was placed for whatever reason, those families that, that I, that I, that I lived with, I mean really really helped out the service and almost made the service what it was for me and um and I don't remember ever having a real big uh problem with space or needing uh privacy um uh, but I do know that my second family that I lived with when I was actually on site I know <laughs> uh my host dad sorry but if he's listening but um He had like a really early bedtime. And so I remember my host brothers and I we have just the best relationship and we'd always be like goofing off and laughing and, you know, things like that. Or sometimes my host mom and I would stay after dinner and, you know, have coffee and, and just talk about stuff. And, you know, my host dad from his room, you know, would, would just, uh, you know, he would yell, you know, "Adormir," you know, which is like, you know, go to sleep basically. And, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, that was kind of the only thing that we really ran into was just, um, you know that there was uh, hours at a time that we were expected to to be in bed and i know that there were some saturdays that uh when it was time to pick the corn when it was that season i remember uh being startled out of uh, out of sleep like at i don't know i would say like five or six in the morning and it was uh my host dad's mom so my host grandmother and she was you know knocking on the uh, on the door and, uh, you know, she would she would just be screaming like, a trabajar! you know, like to go to work, you know, so it's like already starting to pick the corns, you know, so it was just it was uh, it's funny living in someone else's house and it, having uh, what they're used to and just adjusting to that. So it was definitely, uh, you know, just uh, just a, a fun experience learning all the, the quirks and different things that, you know, other families have you know, here in the States, you know, it used to be where my mom, you know, would, you know, every Sunday, you know, put on the, the radio, put her hair in a bun. And, you know, we knew that it was time to, you know, clean the house, you know, so it's like everybody has their thing, you know, so it was just interesting being over there. But it was a great experience living with the host families.
0: Hmm. And do you have any Favorite memories in particular, you know talking about I guess you look back on it fondly, uh, your host dad yelling at you that it was time for bed or your host grandmother uh, banging on the door on, on on the weekends to to get to work. But what were some of your favorite memories of your Peace Corps service?
1: Really, it was just hanging out with the the families and the one thing that really stands out to me is just uh, during the summer, my host brothers, uh, at my site, you know, they were out of school and we had the same sense of humor. And even being like, at that time I was about 25 or 26 and, you know, I still hadn't matured, you know, I still had a very silly sense of humor. And, uh, so I don't know how we got on the topic, but we, we were just talking about things that, um, uh, what is it? Cryptozoology or something like that. Basically, it's just anything like Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, something that's not really real, but it's one of those uh, things that, that you hear about and you 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 wonder about because you, you wonder if maybe it, it could be. And so uh, my host brother had one of those phones that had a really kind of shoddy video camera on it. But you know we made uh reenactments of you know bigfoot you know they dressed me up in you know some gray kind of clothes and uh my host parents had a cornfield in their backyard so you know it was just like the famous shot of bigfoot walking you know through the woods and yeah so we just kind of shot that and and laughed at that and then uh we tried to take it one step further and do like a ufo landing so uh, over there, the houses, their roofs are flat tops. So we had someone get on top of the roof and throw a Frisbee and that was supposed to be the UFO. So it was just like timing and like re-recording the videos and just trying to entertain ourselves because really it was either that or, you know, pick the corn, you know? So, uh, we wanted to do something fun and something that, uh, that would make us laugh. So, so we did, we did a bunch of stuff that, that uh, I look back on and think, you know, I, I don't know if we have that kind of imagination anymore here, where where we do things like that because now everything is, you know, cell phones and um, computers and tablets and there's not any of that imagination really unless you uh, disconnect from that and make that a personal choice here. But it was just, it, it's just those memories that stick and 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 you laugh at, you know, years later. So
0: mm-hmm, yeah, uh, sometimes it's a little hard to make yourself be creative and imaginative when consumption is so easy when you're just a few clicks away from binging on Netflix or getting lost in some rabbit hole on the internet
1: yeah for sure
0: and how did you pass your time when you, you weren't making these videos with your brother or working on uh, the, the various multitude of projects that you had? What was downtime for you in your community?
1: Well, I mean, really, it was just always staying with the family, you know, as, as much as I possibly could, because it, it 27 months seems like it's a really long time. But as the months go by, you start realizing, hey, I don't have that much time with with, with these people and, uh, I really need to make the best of it. So, you know, if we weren't doing that, we were sharing recipes and trying to make food that, you know, I would make here typically, or tried to share like a a Mexican recipe, uh, which some of those were failures and some of them, you know, worked out pretty well. It just depends on what ingredients you had, you know? And so it was just, it was just that it was always constantly sharing different, uh, different things, um, the, the cross-cultural exchange and, uh, you know, listening to music. And I remember my host brother and I uh, were sharing, you know, our favorite songs. And, and I, I remember I got him hooked on the Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, because I told him, I said, as growing up, there was a song uh, that it reminds me of like being with my dad and it's the under the bridge song. And uh, I remember playing it for him and he just was like turned into this big Red Hot Chili Peppers fan after that. And so uh, so it's just cool to share those things. And 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 that's really how I spent my my passing time is just uh, learning more about them and, and just hanging around the community, whether it be playing soccer or basketball or or just just exploring outside because there's so much, there's so much nature. There's so much, uh, there's so much uh, more green and, and trees and and things to explore. So I think that's one of the advantages of living outside of the city is that, you know, you're never bored. There's, there's always something to explore something to look at. So. Mm
0: -hmm. And going back to what you said about sharing recipes with your family, Uh, what were some of the things that worked well that they really enjoyed? And what were a few of the things that either they didn't like or just did not turn out well?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I had a couple of hits and then I had a couple of, you know, flop recipes. But uh, so I would say probably the the. The best one was sharing a recipe. My grandma uh, here in uh, in Texas, she has this recipe to make sugar tortillas. And so it's basically like a flour tortilla, but you put uh, you add in sugar and it's supposed to make them sweet. And that has always been a favorite. Uh, snack of mine growing up still is to this day, and I remember making that for both of my host families, my uh, host family during training and then uh, back on site, and both those times they turned out the best that I've ever made them. So I was I was very lucky that that, that turned out the way it did. And, um, and you know, we're always like baking cakes for Father's Day and for Mother's Day and uh, for any type of celebration and. Uh And so those those always turned out really well. But the the funniest, the funniest one is uh, I tried to make um, some chalupas or tostadas was what they call them, and I remember preparing this big, this big dinner with my with my family during mid service, and I was going to surprise them. I was like, man, this is one of the the best dishes, and uh, you can put mole on it, you can put guacamole, you can you know put beans and you know all this stuff. I was just talking it up, talking it up, and I guess when I made the guacamole, I put too much uh, lemon juice or lime juice in it, and so it was very acidic. And I remember at the dinner table as we were all eating, everyone was like, oh, yeah, these are so good. And I had like four of them. And I was just because I loved them so much, too. But I'm telling you, it was probably too much lime juice or something. So it got real heavy. And then, like, that night, I was the only one to get real sick from the food. And I was just, like, throwing up, like, nonstop in the bathroom. And so, like, my host family still teases me about it. They're like, they're like, oh, if you're going to come over and make food, you're like, they're like, uh, you know, please don't prepare esa comida venenosa. Like, you know, don't. Make that poisoned food, you know, like so it's just it's just one of those things that you know you have a couple of you know hits and you have a couple of misses, but um but it's something that that we still laugh at today, and uh and you know it's just it's you know, like I said you you work with what you got over there, you know? mhm,
0: well, it sounds that you were. Very well integrated, uh, at, at very least with your your family and your community. Was there anything that you struggled with or any difficulties with your integration or your acceptance uh, in Ecuador?
1: I would say definitely th- there was a bit of a hesitation uh, for a while because a- as you become so close to your families they want to know more about you and your personal life and that's to be expected. And as I got close to these, uh, these people, which now I, I consider family, um, th- there was, there was a part of my life that is accepted here, uh, you know, in, in Austin for the majority of, of, of the, of the city. But, uh, but as a gay volunteer, I felt like, it it is part of who i am it's not the the biggest part but as as you get integrated in these families they ask you about oh you know like are you seeing anybody or you know um can you imagine spending your life with somebody? Do you want to get married one day, have kids? And so all these questions come up and there's only so many times you can say, well, you know, I'm focusing on school right now or, you know, just, you know, "Oh, right now it's not the time or, you know, I'm still very young because those excuses can only take you so far. And I felt like I gauged it pretty well as far as you know when was the appropriate time I felt like to share that because one way or another through social media or through a different platform maybe someone would find out and that would uh, catch on and then you know who knows then there could have been more problems or or different kind of issues so that was something that I I struggled with but I did eventually come out to my host parents and uh, some of my host siblings that i felt were mature enough to uh, handle that situation after a while and they were very receptive and my host dad who you know a lot of people say that oh latino men are very machista which i mean to an extent maybe is is true but he was very accepting and he he told me i remember he gave me a hug and he said you know i still love you like a son and that's something that still stays with me and you know my host mom was uh, very very accepting as well on both sides um, uh, both host moms were very very accepting and you know it was just something that that'm I'm, I'm glad I was able to share with them and I think it brought us closer together because you know as as a family there's there's trust and there's love and and these are the things that that I think build stronger relationships. You know, just the deeper, uh, the deeper topics, and not so much surface. You know, like oh, do you like to play soccer? Me too. You know, it's it it builds on that. It builds on those relationships, and and definitely makes them stronger. So.
0: And what a benefit that you were able to share that part of your life and and, and to come out and be open about it because I know that there are many volunteers that aren't able to do that, that feel that they need to go back into the closet because it's not very well accepted or in some Peace Corps countries, it is illegal uh, to be to be gay. Uh, So what a benefit that you felt comfortable enough in and it was so well received from your family.
1: Well, in Ecuador, believe it or not, they just uh, passed the 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 bill that, you know, same sex couples are now able to marry. Ecuador was always like in the cities, big cities like Quito, the capital. And there had already been a movement for LGBT. So it wasn't something that was completely uh, uh, unknown but in a way in smaller communities i could definitely see that my host brother told me at first he said you know i didn't know what a gay person was he's like i was a little scared actually when i found out and uh he said but having having known you all this time he's like he's like there's nothing wrong he said you know you're still the same person and i think that i think that the benefit of of making that choice is that you allow people to see that that it, it's it's a part of you, but it's not it's not something that is as evil as maybe things make it out or society makes it out to be sometimes, or what you see on TV portrayed as you know the stereotype. I feel like there is a benefit of having people know that that's a part of your life because then there's that exposure. But I do I do recommend like you feel out the situation because. I just got lucky with very understanding people and I would say maybe try to ask the questions without uh, putting yourself on the line and just see how they feel about the topic in general and then go from there. But uh, definitely it's a benefit to have them exposed to that because they they just might not know.
0: Mm hmm. Well, well, overall, it sounds like you had a a great experience, even with uh coming out to to your family. It seems like that that was a uh, very rewarding and enriching. But what did you struggle with, or what was something that was difficult for you, or a least favorite memory from your peace corps service?
1: I would say, well, my least favorite memory was definitely the time that uh, it was during uh, pre-service training uh that we went out on tech week and we were supposed to go visit uh certain sites that we could possibly be assigned to and learn about the jobs there. And it was it was one time we had some downtime after the workshop that we had to attend and we were gonna go to the beach. We were on the coast and it was it was the the current uh PCV there at the time and then a couple of us and I remember one of one of the one of our friends who was also an aspiring PCV at that time. She was like, oh, she's like, actually, I think I'm going to go get my hair done. And so she just like, you know, she went somewhere else and she went to go for that very specific reason. I remember because we laughed about it later. And uh, so me and the other uh, trainees, we went. Uh, to walk along the beach, and we still had like our backpacks. And so I know this is definitely like I I will say that it pri- it was not the smartest idea for us to do this, but you know it was still light outside, and we felt like walking along the uh, the board the boardwalk was a pretty uh, you know safe idea, pretty harmless. And I remember taking a picture with my camera maybe about 20 minutes before this actually happened, and then I it was just me and the group of uh, PCVs. And then uh, we were walking around for a little while and we sat down. And then as we sat down before we knew it, you know, these three, you know, kids like teenagers, I don't know, uh, just came up to us and, and, and robbed us. <laughs> so You're just like, okay, like what just happened? Uh, it just, it all happened very, very fast. And, um, and, and that was just maybe like a month or two into service. So it, definitely, uh, put some, uh, some fright into us. Um, but it, it, but it didn't put a damper on things because, you know, the reality is that can happen anywhere. It can happen here in your own neighborhood. You know, someone can break into your cars, you know, so it just, in the big scheme of things, it can happen anywhere. So it wasn't something that, you know, made me say, I want to go home right now, but it was definitely not my favorite memory because, of, uh, you know, everything involved after that, having to, you know, try and, like, find the person because the police in that uh, area were just like, oh, let's see if you can identify the person. And I was just like, I, you know, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> you know, at that time, I was just kind of scared because, you know, I don't I, don't, I didn't know what was going to happen. But uh, that definitely was a low light. But the, the funny part about that later was when we told uh my friend that went to go get her hair done that that happened she's like well it's a good thing you know she's like i went to get my hair done she had this fresh haircut and you know we had lost you know whatever we had on us that day so she won in the end i guess but uh, it's just you know lesson lesson learned you know
0: Hmm. and it all turned out okay and now you have a story about the time you got robbed in ecuador <laughs>
1: Yeah, we didn't get hurt. N- nobody was hurt. And, you know, it was just more of anything. It was just the scare but, and the story. So mm-hmm. we have that.
0: And what do you miss about your time in Peace Corps as a volunteer or uh, your time in Ecuador?
1: I just I miss I miss the families. I miss uh, the friends that I've made there. And I miss my uh, my fellow Peace Corps volunteers. Um so so much. And I've been lucky to go back now three times and visit host families and I usually stay there for about two weeks and and just have the time of my life um, with them and creating new memories and and it's just it really isn't like anything else. And I, I just feel so lucky that I was able to get those families and and build those relationships that I did and, and meet the people that I did because uh, you know, I carry them with me, and you know, we still Skype and we still chat. And um, one of my very good friends, uh, who was a Peace Corps volunteer, she married a uh, she married a host national, and they just moved to Seattle uh, and had a baby. And I'm their godfather, and you know, so it's just like I mean, it's just such a special thing that you get to be a part of, and and. And 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 that's and that's what I miss. I miss being um, a part of something on a on a bigger scale. You know, instead of you know, I, I guess we're just so used to the the day to day here, running around trying to you know get things done before the start of a new work week. You know, or just hurrying through life. And over there, it was just about focusing on your friendships and your relationships and. And just getting to know people, and and that's what I miss most. But I'm very very thankful that I still keep in contact with them. It keeps me, it keeps me very grounded. So I'm 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 happy for that.
0: Mm-hmm. And have you been able to recreate some of that now back in the United States? Some of the the connection to. Your community, because I know that that's something that I've struggled with, and other volunteers that you have this very enriching experience that you feel so connected to a place where you are, in fact, a foreigner, and then you come back and you don't feel connected to a place where you you should be connected to. It's your it's your own country, your own community.
1: It's a it's a challenge, and it and it is it is a struggle to um, to feel that way in your own country, I guess. But, um, but it just, it seems like the climate or the environment is, is just, uh, very individualized. And so I have tried to recreate some of that magic here. And it, it, look, the, the, the thing is, is that really nobody has the time for it, you know, it's <laughs> just, let's be honest. But I think, I think the, the, the relationships that I have with my Peace Corps volunteers that have returned to the States as well, just keeping in touch with them uh, is is bringing back the magic enough. So I feel like um, I still have that when I reconnect with them because they understand. Um, and, you know, I try to look for that in people here in my own city. And, uh, you know, it's just it's, it's just hard. You know, we all get busy. Um, our lives are, are very fast paced and, and packed into eight hours and uh, during the workday and then coming home, you're tired and it's just, it's not the same. So I think keeping open relationships with your with your uh, volunteers that you went through that service with, I, th- I think is just the best thing that you can do if, if, if you're lucky, I guess. Mm hmm.
0: And you've been back for a few years now, four years, but but you had opportunity to return. What is something that you learned from your service that has stayed with you?
1: It's just to definitely just work with whatever you have in front of you, you know, and don't don't think that it's too little or that you can't start something because you don't have Everything that you think you need, because there's always there's always a way, you know. And I I found that in Peace Corps, there were always situations that I got so um, not frustrated, but maybe um, disheartened, you know. Just felt like, oh, I can't do that, or you know, or this is going to happen. But you know, you just you have to you have to try. You have to you have to actually see it through to see if those. Uh, things are going to happen or they might not, you know? So instead of being afraid and thinking that you don't have enough to start a project, you know, you could very well be wrong and, and just not giving it the chance. So I would say just that's what I've learned to just work with whatever you have in front of you and just to spend time with those people that you care about because, well, I think, like I said before, 27 months seems like such a long time, but, it goes by so fast. And then you find yourself, you know, at the airport with your host families crying like a baby, you know, trying to try to say like, Oh, you know, I just need a little bit more time, you know? And, uh, and so it's just really, and you can apply that here too, you know, spend time with the people that, that, that you care about, that you love, because that, that is important at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's, it's the most important thing. And so I think, just being in service, it really reinforces that because you are so vulnerable. And so when you receive a family that shows you that love, I think you appreciate it more than I think maybe we appreciate it here because I think we maybe take it for granted.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, I have enjoyed hearing about your service, your time in Ecuador, what you were doing, the k- deep connection that you made with your host families there. Is there anything else that you want to share with the My Peace Corps Story community?
1: Look, if you have a project, and uh, and, I'll, and I'll I'll kind of wrap this up pretty quickly, but. I, uh, with my counterpart, we applied for this grant to do a small nature museum in the community. There was a local park that was run by my counterpart and there was a space and we wanted to convert it to a small museum, which we did. We got the funding for it and we, uh, we, we built, uh, the small, uh, nature area. And, It was cool for, like, the first, like, week or two, but then, you know, soon after, it was, like, a target, like, people, you know, just kind of ruined it basically you know it's like it, as what what do people say it's like that's why we can't have nice things and so it's just kind of like you know it. Just, <laughs> so what i'm saying is that look if you have a project and at first it's like wow this is like the best thing ever and then it goes sour or something happens look the experience is there you made the memory you tried and not everything's gonna like last forever you you're not gonna maybe have that golden Peace Corps story where it's like, yeah, like I built like this whole, like new city and now now everybody has clean water. And you know, it's, you know, you might not get that, you know, you might not have that as your experience. So it's just, What I'll say is that I hope that you don't look back and say that was such a disappointment because there's so many other things that your Peace Corps service is other than just like, how can I be that star Peace Corps performer where everybody around the world knows that I did this, I did that, I did that. And we just need to remember that it's about what we did or what my community did you know my community did this they stood up for that and they learned how to do this and now they can make this and so that's what's important so i, I think that if anything just just be just be happy just be happy you know uh you're gonna have some pitfalls but you know just you know get up and just uh keep on going
0: Uh, I could not agree more. It has been a pleasure to end the show. Do you have a favorite quote or local saying that you would like to share?
1: Sure. I mean, it's one that I still use pretty much every day. But um, it's something that I picked up from both my host families and around the community. And basically, it's just uh, what it is in Spanish is it says uh, que iras. And basically, that means like, oh, like what? Like what fury, like what anger, like it just you can use it to describe like when something annoying happens or like, you know, the the copier gets jammed and you're like, I oh, kid us, you know. I just feel myself still saying it like every day, everything something that doesn't go right and it it bothers me or like I get annoyed, like I still hear myself saying it and people are probably like, What is that guy saying? you know, but um it's just it's just funny and my host family says it and I just always feel you know, a part of the family every time we're there, and we're all saying it. You know, we're like, "Ah, oh, gate us, gate us." You know, so it's just uh, uh, th- that one is probably my favorite. It's not very deep, and it doesn't mean a whole lot, but uh, it's uh, it's something that that stuck with me.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing a little bit about your service. It's hard to wrap up twenty seven months of service into a uh fifty minute interview, but thank you for trying a little bit and giving us a flavor of what it's like to be a volunteer in Ecuador.
1: Yes, thank you, Tyler. Thank you for having me on the podcast. And it was a pleasure and I I just I feel so happy sharing my experience and I, I just hope the best for All uh, aspiring PCVs, people who are thinking about it, people who are already in country, and people who have come back and are thinking about doing it again. Um, I'm, I'm just happy to share my story and I hope, you know, it helps somebody.
0: And there you have it, another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you get a new episode every single week when I release them. If you are an aspiring Peace Corps volunteer in the process of applying, or you have been accepted to the Peace Corps, number one, congratulations. Number two, you may be wondering, what should you pack for your Peace Corps service? Well, I have put together the ultimate Peace Corps packing list over on the website at com. Put a lot of time into this and it is one of the most visited and used pages on my website. So head on over there and I give you all the do's and don'ts for packing, the things that you should be thinking of and considering when packing, and, and really just try to provide a lot of value for you guys and Try to get across that, you know, it's it's not that hard. Uh, you're going to a place where people live, so don't stress about it too much. They're going to have most things, but there are a few uh, modern conveniences that you may want to bring with you. So head on over to story.com, check out that packing list, and let me know what you think. Until next time, please remember that every volunteer has a story. What's yours?